Welcome to today's episode of Watchable with Bethy Hernandez and Sophia Ritter. Two cousins talk movies and TV. Basically, if it's entertainment related, we got you covered. Today we're discussing It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, Bethy, we're all in the Christmas spirit over here at Watchable. We are, especially you. Yeah, I'm really living up the Christmas vibes to get myself in the right headspace today. I made myself hot chocolate with Christmas-shaped marshmallows. I put on my Christmas sweater. The listeners can tell. They can feel my Christmas joy. I had a Little Debbie Christmas white cake that are shaped like Christmas trees. And undeniably, that is the best Little Debbie Christmas treat. You cannot argue with me. I would not even try to argue with you. Okay, Those things are good. delicious. Prime. Plus, you know some people hate them? Really? Grinches. Yes. Ugh, Scrooges. Come on. So like we said today, we're talking about <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. But before we dive completely in, we're going to talk our media picks of the week. Bethy, what is yours? I've been watching a lot of different things lately. I don't know. Trying to distract myself from doing homework and school and being super stressed. But... There's a new show on Netflix that I started last night called Selena. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's about number one in the country right now for being watched on Netflix. And I just thought, oh, I'll give it a shot. So I watched the first episode. I'm intrigued. I'm not really into it yet, obviously, It's since I've just mm-hmm. seen the first episode. But I guess that's just my media pick because I'm, I'm going to check it out some more. And... Just as like a bonus media thing that I did. <laughs> yes. Uh, last night, I watched Harry Potter with my brother and the first one with my mm-hmm. brother and my mom. I actually got my mom into it. So Aww. that was a fun little media moment of the week. <laughs> I feel like the first Harry Potter movie feels very Christmassy. It does. And it's just so sweet. They're all so little mm-hmm. and cute and just, oh, it's it's so good. Probably because it's more nostalgic, and they do have a Christmas sequence, so. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, my media pick of the week is keeping in my Christmas jolly elf self. It is movies that made us, and the episode I want to talk about is the one centered around my favorite Christmas movie, Elf. One of my favorite Christmas movies, Elf. And it was so interesting. They talked about how this movie is heavily influenced by Rudolph, the Frank and Boss special. Yeah. And they talked about how they got in, like, legal trouble with Frank and Boss because they made it a little too similar in parts because they used a lot of stop motion and the North Pole sequences. There's just so many, like, cool things. And I love hearing about, like, comedy and how comedy comes together and ad-libbing and stuff. And it was really good special. So if you grew up loving Elf, it's a great Christmas thing to watch because it makes you feel nostalgic, but you're also learning about movie stuff, so great time i'm still shocked by the fact that elf is one of your favorite christmas movies just because like it's never been that big of a christmas movie in my family like i've seen it before it's good like it was just never a nostalgia movie for me and niall hasn't even seen it before and i'm gonna try and get him to watch it so okay 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 this i remember last year not i think the most mad i've ever been with you on watchable was when you said you didn't really like elf because i I don't hate it i just I just don't even remember it that much. I've seen it like once or twice, maybe. I saw it in movie theaters. We had it. I've seen it a million, million times. And Will Ferrell is an icon in this movie. And I think you need to revisit it. Have Niall come over and we'll make hot chocolate and watch Elf. Okay. Niall would love Elf. Her little brother. Yeah, I can tell. So our background with It's a Wonderful Life, if you've recently listened to our Grandma's House episode, you know Mm -hmm. this is a sentimental movie for us, like everyone probably 
because we would watch this movie all the time at our grandma's house and just all the time in the Christmas season in general. Yeah, and if you watched our episode from last year, we also mentioned this movie, I think, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So as you can tell, we're big fans. So today we're not going to, because most of you, we're assuming, have seen this movie as many times as we have. So today we wanted to go over some interesting facts we found while we were researching the movie and just some of the general themes and stuff and why we think this movie is as timeless as it has been. Because I feel like most people have seen this movie. I don't know how many people it's a favorite Christmas classic for them, like people in our generation. Mm -hmm. But I feel like everyone's seen it and it... I've always wondered almost, like, how is it so popular? It's just a movie from the 40s, black and white. It doesn't seem like something that many people would watch. And mm -hmm. what I discovered when going down this rabbit hole of finding random facts about it was that it was accidentally... Yeah, so the interesting thing is it was originally a flop. Yeah. Which I found really weird because it was overshadowed by a different movie that was released the week before that had very similar themes Mm -hmm. And that was also up for Oscar buzz. And this movie, one of the biggest Oscar snubs of all time as well, because it didn't win any Oscars. But anyway, so Frank Kappa, the director of this movie, invested in it. He, like, did most of the, like, money stuff. He lost $500,000 when this movie came out. Mm -hmm. And so then in 1974, Bethy, you wanted to kind of talk about what happened and why it's become a household name? If I'm right, it was accidentally given to the public domain. And so mm -hmm. all the TV stations started airing it, like, every Christmas. And I, I think that's how I originally saw it at Grandma's house, even. Like, it was just on TV, and then it became, like, a tradition to watch it, because it's just always on TV during Christmas time. And I guess that's how this new generation of people got introduced to it. Yeah, what I found interesting was that, like, it was fixed in 1994. They found a legal way to take it back. Mm -hmm. But in that 20 years, it becomes such a Christmas staple that everyone has now heard of it and knows the common trope of the storyline and I think it makes so much sense because I was talking with my mom when we watched it for the show the other day she's like I've seen the end like a million times I've never seen the beginning she's probably <laughs> caught the end a million times on television wait the beginning is my favorite part though right the full thing and the end but masterpiece you know <laughs> <laughs> exactly so another little history thing I found interesting because this another reason it wasn't that popular it was kind of scandalous for its time mm -hmm. and back in the 40s there was a thing called the Hayes Code which was all these moral standards that movies had to meet and one of them was about villains and it said that criminals can only repent or get caught in the end of the story they can't profit. And this really toes the line. They found a way to make it so you can argue that he doesn't mm -hmm. commit the crime. But the criminal is no worse off at the end of the story. If anything, he's much better off. So yeah. people weren't... Ex like, it is a tremendously happy like ending, like fulfilling. But the criminal... Still gets you know, away with it. Doesn't get what's coming for him as you're expecting. And I always thought this was really weird, too. Even, like, when I was younger. I was like, well, what happened to the bad guy? Like, did mm -hmm. he turn nice? Like, you know, in some movies that happens. I was like, uh, did they catch him? Like, I always wondered that. And then it wasn't until, like, yesterday I heard that, how it was scandalous for the time because of the Hayes Code. And I, I think it's just, like, a kind of a cool example that Mr. Potter didn't get caught mm -hmm. um, of how people would kind of 
get around the Hayes Code a lot during that time. Mm-hmm. There's so many examples in, like, film and stuff where you can see, like, this was pushing it, but people found a way to push the limits of it. Mm-hmm. And it's also kind of interesting to think about how, like, without the Hayes Code, how fast movies could have progressed. Like, how, like, certain right. topics could have been, like, talked about faster in film. And it's just really interesting. Some ways I think it probably... Because sometimes art with limits can make, like, the coolest Mm -hmm. things come out of compromises. Like, in Casablanca, there's a few scenes where it's, like, they are alluding to sex. And, like, it's, like, they're, like, well, they show him smoking and they cut away. And Mm -hmm. for, like, that audience that was very, like, scandalous. Because they all knew what that meant. So they Mm -hmm. found their own ways of breaking it and telling the story. So I think some of those is, like, really cool, the ways we learned how to, like, use foreshadowing and, like, innuendos and stuff. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about, because we're talking about the ending, is how the biggest criticism for this movie is that the ending is, like, superficial, too sweet, too nice. And I don't agree with that at all. Do you want to talk on why you don't? Yeah, this bothers me so much. Because if you think about the ending... Nothing really has changed for George Bailey except for the fact that he's not going to jail, which obviously is something that's, like, a really good thing that happened to him. That's a good Mm -hmm. ending. But, like, his reality of still being stuck in Bedford Falls and still not having that much money and, you know what I mean? All of that is still, like, very much the same. So that's kind of not as, like, happy of an ending as people think make it out to be as it's so cheesy or whatever his attitude has changed like george bailey has a different outlook on life which i guess some you can claim is really cheesy and over the top and too happy but it's a really realistic movie i think and i think people just try and undermine that i think part of it is it's a movie from the 40s and so we automatically want to assume everything about it is not politically correct and there are some we'll get into it later about mary his wife that Mm, aren't exactly politically correct But the heart of the story and why it is timeless is because these are real human problems that we can still relate to. And like you said, one of the things that they like demonstrate that nothing really has changed is his house is still worn down and like the thing on his banister still falls off. But Mm -hmm. he's learned to like accept his life and just be happy for all the things he does have. Mm -hmm. And he just understands more the impact of not just himself in the end, but everyone else in the community and what he has fought for. And I just think it's really reflective of the struggles we've gone through this year to see Mm -hmm. how, like, the community matters. He's no better off, really, in the end than he was in the beginning, except for he understands the importance of his community and what he has done for them. It is a happy tale. And honestly, I had remembered the ending being that he was bankrupt. Uh I I didn't remember him going to jail, but because I haven't seen this movie in a while, I remembered it. That he just, like, appreciated his family and they're, like, around a Christmas tree. I didn't remember the money part, like, where they all come in. Yeah. That kind of story does appeal to people in many ways. It's something everyone can relate to, especially this year. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize that until I watched it again a couple, like, a week ago. And I was thinking, you know, it's kind of showing you how, like, everything in your life can be, like, crumbling around you. Like, right now, like, COVID and our years are kind of messed up. But at the same time, because of, like, things like community, we're able to, I don't know, still find happiness in the little things like Christmas and being being able to be around our families and just all that kind of stuff. So I think you made a really good point that I hadn't really mm-hmm. thought about until now. So, And to kind of jump onto the point you just made, I feel like Christmas, like, 
spirit has skyrocketed this year. I don't know about you. I know not everyone. And I don't want to speak for everyone. But I feel like humans want to find joy in little things sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think we're just realizing the importance of little moments right now. Because even this Christmas, we're not going to be in like... And it sucks for us coming from such a ginormous family. Yeah. But like we can't all get together, but we're still appreciating the little things about it and getting into it. And I love that we're not like completely dumping on Christmas this year because it'd be easy to do that. I've heard from everyone. They start listening to Christmas music early this year because Christmas Mm -hmm. is that like one little glimmer of happiness and like fun in a year that's been so terrible. Like everyone just wants that little bit of easy joy to have by just being able to be around your family and eat good food and watch cheesy movies like we're just able to find the good things in in this year which i really just i think that's really sweet (laughs) this is off the topic of it's a wonderful life but if you're one of those people who gets very angry about christmas music early why like i know i started listening in november (laughs) right it brings people joy it's been a rough year we put up our christmas decorations in november like People need what they need right now. You should not be, like, angry about it. Well, since we were talking a little bit about, like, the community and stuff, I wanted to talk about a theme that I kind of recently noticed in the movie of, like, Mm -hmm. the individual versus the community and, like, how the whole film basically is, like, kind of George Bailey wanting to be his own person with his own goals and having these really big aspirations travel the world and stuff Mm -hmm. and it ends up being more about him helping his community and the community helping him obviously and I what I found interesting is during this time it's kind of a political commentary this whole movie oh yeah and I (laughs) never I never realized this because after world war ii neoliberalism which is the idea Mm -hmm. of individual success over anything else, was on the rise. And I just think this movie is kind of making a statement on how that's not really possible because everyone Mm -hmm. is connected to their community. Everyone's connected to their family. No one's ever just going to be one man against the world. Like, that's just so unrealistic. And Mm -hmm. And I never really fully appreciated that political commentary until I watched it this year, so. We kept saying when we were watching this movie, like, do people watch this movie inside with Potter who, like, have different political ideologies yeah. than me? Like, because for me, it felt, like, so obviously, like, such an obvious divide between political parties. Mm-hmm. And what really was just so abundant was when individuals thrived, the full community suffered and everything was just so more superficial and everyone was kind of worse off because they let the bottom people kind of fend for themselves and Mm -hmm. then crumble. And then the full town was kind of worse off. But what's also interesting is it, the movie almost makes it seem like at first when an individual does do the right thing for the community, they're kind of punished for it. Like when Mm -hmm. George saves his brother, he's the one who gets an ear infection and loses hearing. Or when he like helps the community and gives everyone his honeymoon money he's the one who loses his honeymoon so at Mm -hmm. first it seems like oh well maybe either way it isn't like working for yourself or working to help the community like you're just going to end up bad off 
But by the end, it's showing you that because he did all of these things, his community is going to be there for him and when he needs them. And I just think that's really interesting because it kind of just seems like right off the bat, helping others can maybe be a bad thing. You you know, like mm-hmm. it seems like that's what it's trying to show until the end. It's just kind of trying to dispel that full argument like, well, I did the right thing and this happened to me. Yeah. And, you know, like no good came out of it. Well, no, in the end, like a tremendous amount of good came out of it more than you can ever really comprehend the mm-hmm. impacts of one little small decision you ended up making. And I think it's so because I also noticed that every single decision he makes that's good ends up hurting him tremendously throughout the movie. And the first time making a decision that helps is when he doesn't kill himself and then the full town comes together for him. I don't know. It's such a powerful message that you, like, that one person can impact so many people's lives for the better, even Mm -hmm. if they don't even realize it, you know? And I think it also makes it all the more impactful that uh, George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart, like, he really didn't want to get back into acting at the time because he mm-hmm. had just come back from World War II, was experiencing, like, PTSD, was, like, thinking acting was so trivial and meaningless. And just to see, like, how much his own problems were reflected in the story made the story so much more impactful to me after I learned about that. I didn't even know he was, like, served in World War II mm-hmm. until a couple of days ago when I was doing research on this movie. And I think it really made him perfect for the role almost because he was really just reflecting his own experiences sometimes and i read somewhere yesterday that in the scene where he's praying in the bar room he is act like he's actually was crying in that scene and they kept it yeah. in because it was so real you know and i just i think that's really it it speaks to why this movie is so timeless and so good and well done is the acting is actually really impressive and really real and it feels real obviously it feels dated and timely but it doesn't feel like the 40s movies we expect Mm -hmm. the move the characters aren't just like the one dimensional that like associate those film of movies as being they're complex and they just they seem like real people they don't seem like they have the fake hollywood accent they just yeah they're broken and they're confused and They've done everything right and everything seems to not be going the way they expect still. Yeah, they're not perfect because you would expect, like you said, that's what you might expect from this era of filmmaking, but it's just not true, you know? I feel like now would be a good time to get into talking more about just George Bailey's character in general. My main thing I find interesting about him and probably what makes his character so dynamic is the fact that he's, like we were saying, he's not perfect but in the way that he's conflicted about doing the right thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. He always does do the right thing, but he's always conflicted on whether he really wants to do it. I know earlier in the movie, when his father is still alive, he mentions that he would like him to work for his banking business, and mm-hmm. George really doesn't want to do that. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to travel the world. But then as mm-hmm. soon as his father dies, later that night, He's willing to give up ev- all of his dreams to do that. And I just think it's really cool that they're making his character realistic in the fact that he still has his own dreams and aspirations. He doesn't mm-hmm. want the life he ends up having. But that doesn't make him any more of a bad person. The fact that what where his life ended up wasn't like his like what where he in- intended it to be. I don't know. And he's like upset about that. They don't make mm-hmm. him seem bad for him being upset about that. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes 
complete sense. I think one of the things about George Bailey is there is times when you hate his guts and you're yeah. the way he treats Mary in some points and you're like, you're just a douchebag. Like or like you're really ungrateful for everything. Exactly. Okay, so what you were just saying about like how your life doesn't end up how you expect it to be, I feel like nowadays we all have like such clear expectations mm-hmm. for what success means. I'm like heading into like the cr- job field right now and part of you thinks I'm going to be a failure if I end up just like my parents working in the same small town as my parents. Mm-hmm. And that is not going to be my life. I do not want to like say that I want that for myself. But it does make you remember that like there is nothing wrong with a simple life. Like you make mm-hmm. simple things that impact a lot of people. You don't have to go out and do dramatic huge things to matter and nowadays i think we're really forgetting that and this movie is still so important to remember those things yeah and it, i noticed that a lot with i think this is movies demonstrating with every generation is kind of like been mm-hmm. like that but with our generation in college everyone talks about wanting a career so they can make the most money or seem mm-hmm. the most successful but in a way people seem to make put this idea out there that you're not going to have a fulfilling life if you don't immediately have success after college and get the career you want and that's just not true and I think Mm -hmm. this movie does a really good job of showing that's just not true you can still have a fulfilling life even if it wasn't where you intended to end up being and Mm -hmm. I don't know but I, I think it's also important to try and reach your dreams and not let certain things get in the way of that but I mean, I don't know. You can find happiness anywhere. Weirdly enough, the story kind of reflects our grandma's story yeah. in a weird roundabout way. Because to give you guys a little background, our grandma was actually very intelligent lady. And she was given a full scholarship to college, but then her mom had a seizure, was it? Um, aneurysm. Aneurysm. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, then she was basically told she had to stay home to take care of her family. And she did that. She always thought her life was clearly meant out to be, like, educated, go Mm -hmm. on to do great things. And that wasn't what it ended up being, but she ended up being a very big family person Mm -hmm. and had, like, a ginormous, wonderful family. And that ended up making her happier more than anything else did ever. So, Mm -hmm. And she is always going to be remembered as being one of the nicest people I know and being... Exactly. Treating everyone so kindly and... She had such a big impact on everyone who knew her, even though her life didn't end up being where she probably intended to, intended it to be. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't even realize that until you mentioned that. And it's just really sweet that you can connect. I mean, again, it's just showing like the, you know, the universal like way this exactly. movie can be interpreted. Because I feel like everyone has somewhat can relate to George Bailey or can think of someone in their life that, you know can easily follow the same story mold as this and another thing i wanted to go into is how in every flashback you see mary and you also see potter it would be a good time to talk about mary because yeah, i actually really like her character mm-hmm. i think i like you never really realize this when you watch it the first couple of times but recently i've noticed that she like mary saves the day she is the one who convinced, well, not convinced, but she's the one who got all those people to bring their money and come. Like, mm-hmm. 
And I, I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like, she is the one who does that. And, like, I don't know. She is the one who immediately, like, I'm pretty sure she calls a police department when George mm-hmm. goes out. Like, yeah, I mean, you, I kind of, you kind of just made me think, realize that as well, Buffy, because the full time I'm always, like, they kind of treat her like crap in the movie, but it really is a good story of, like, women in the background kind of doing everything and being just overlooked and not appreciated. And yeah, yeah, I think today, one difference this movie would probably have is there probably would have been more of a come to Jesus moment about how impactful Mary was for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely Mary does a ton of stuff for him and his life really is anywhere because of her. And she, like, also just, like, renovates their entire house and manages right? to take care of, like, four kids or something. Like, you go, girl. She's just, like, underrated in the movie. And I think a lot of times, I mean, women in film are seen as very passive. And mm-hmm. in some ways she is, but it, she's seen that way, I guess, you know? But mm-hmm. she's not. And I, I just really like that. Also, her actress is from she- Iowa. Yeah, she's actually from kind of close to me, so <laughs> go her. I actually, well, we there are some critiques to her character that I yes. want to get into really quick. Um, in the flashback where, not flashback, but where George never lived, mm-hmm. she basically did not have an important life at all because she never that, got married. Yeah. <sighs> that so, is my biggest critique of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it pisses me off so it's much. It's very annoying. They're like, oh no, she's an old maid. And she's mm-hmm. a librarian without Ooh. you, George. As uh-huh. if not everyone else in the town was wanting to be her boyfriend or whatever. Like, right? come on. Like, like, she wasn't an extremely attractive person. As if, like, she wasn't super, like, smart and everyone knew who she mm-hmm. was and stuff. Come on. She's a librarian. I- oh, no. I like, laugh I just... every time I watch this movie and they reveal that. Like, it's the worst thing to like, ever happen to a human. Oh, no. She's wearing glasses. What? <gasps> And, like, he, like, chases her through the streets. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I literally, yeah, I, that's my least favorite part of this whole film. Yeah, and her obsession with George is a little annoying as well. <laughs> How she's yeah. like, I'll always love you, George Bailey. I'm like, okay. I think that's out. kind of funny, though. It when is she kind says, of funny. She's like, I'll love you till the day I die in, like, his yeah. bad ear. And I just think that's yeah. so funny. Oh, it's hilarious. But <laughs> it just, like, makes me so angry that, like, the idea she only had a soulmate, which is fine to believe in soulmates, whatever. But yeah. without him, she would not. She would be an old maid. I mean, what's wrong with that? She had a job, like yeah. Being a librarian sounds kind of like a dope job to me. Yeah, definitely. That's just yeah. my the our our least the favorite biggest part critique of, of the entire movie. By yeah, far. I mean, obviously, her life does have worth. Like I don't mm-hmm. know, it's just it's so dumb. Anyways, did you have any more critiques about Mary? Because I'd be interested to hear them because I just had that one too. That is really my biggest one because I really like her character. I think she's really sweet and good for George. Yeah. And yeah, other than that, I think she's a good character, but they reduced her down to her love interest is annoying as hell. But Yeah, definitely common trope of the time. So uh, I also want to talk about some of the things they almost had this movie do, which I think could have ruined this movie. The ending was originally George, like, getting down on his hands and knees praying Mm -hmm. without, like, the community or without his wife and family there. I don't think this movie would be as timeless if that was the ending. 
because it doesn't really reinforce the aspect of community at the end. Yeah, I didn't actually know that. That's a really interesting fact because obviously since he saw what the town would be like without him and stuff, like that Mm -hmm. reinforces that idea kind of. But just having that one ending scene really like nails it in, drives it Mm -hmm. to the point. And that one ending scene is I think the scene that gets most people to feel really emotional. That's the scene that I felt most emotional when I was watching this movie. Exactly. Uh, Without it, they'd lose so much. That's the scene that makes it, takes it from a good Christmas movie to like a Christmas classic. Classic. You watch that scene and it feels like Christmas. You know, the happiness and just over like joyed, like stupidly happy as you watch that scene. Exactly. And like, where would the movie be without the iconic line? Every time a bell rings, an angel angel gets his wings. wings. It's just so satisfying. Like, come on. I know. And that's that that line is used so much in media today. So much. So much. Like when you actually said that line, I was thinking about a show from when I was a kid that did like a spoof on It's a Wonderful Life. What show? iCarly. And like they had chicken wings instead of wings. Oh, and like they end it with everyone eating wings. I remember that. Yeah. 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 See, it's just because of that ending scene, it's so like I don't know, prevalent in media today. Exactly. Like so iconic. Recognizable and yeah. they also originally had a different song they were gonna do Ode to Joy. Hmm. Which I don't know, like they probably could have made it the same and like it we have nostalgia bias, but it doesn't seem it would have almost been like too spot on the money. Yeah, it's almost too like what you might expect mm-hmm. or a little bit too like happy, like in your face kind of song. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And whereas the other song is kind of more like, I forget, I don't know what it's called, but it's like the New Year's song. Odd song. song. Yeah. <laughs> song. I can't say it. It's more like a reflecting song. Mm-hmm. And I actually want to talk about that song a little bit mm-hmm. because the history behind it is remarkable. Like it is so interesting. And I really, really yeah. recommend you guys like go look into it. There's a podcast called The Anthropocene Reviewed where they do he does a full episode just on the song and it will make you so much more nostalgic about the song and like no one really knows who wrote it and the his it's just so complex but it always has been saying in like the same kinds of times and I'm not doing it justice but I highly recommend you checking that out because a lot of history that you wouldn't expect in little things. That's really interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that either, so Another weird thing that I was requested to talk about in this episode today was Jimmy the Raven. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy the Raven. Jimmy the Raven. The best character in the whole movie. When we were watching this, my mom kept saying, what is the story behind that dang bird? And uh, it's weird. (laughs) The bird actually does have a story, oddly enough. It does. The bird is more successful than I will ever be in my life. Jimmy the Raven was basically just used in a bunch of other movies. Mm-hmm. But it was the same exact bird. Yeah. Huh. He had like a 20 year film career. He was in like 1500 films or something crazy like that. He was in every Frank Kappa movie, which this is a Frank Kappa movie after 1938. And he's also another notable appearance of this bird is in The Wizard of Oz and the Scarecrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He could type on a typewriter. He could like do like 60 different phrases they said he was like equivalent to an eight-year-old child oh my right this bird is insane the bird's name was also jimmy as 
so was Jimmy Stewart. And they there was a running joke on the set that he was like the best actor because he never had to refilm those scenes. Like the <laughs> actors would mess up more than the bird. <laughs> wow, you know more about Jimmy I, I looked at than his, I do. I looked up his Wikipedia page and I was surprised by his history, let me tell you. The most famous raven of all time. He was insured by the studio. I gotta, here, I'll pull it up really quick. For like an insane amount of money. Really? Yeah. He was insured for $10,000 a week back in 1946, Bethy. Oh my God. $10,000. He's making bank. He made $500 a week and then his carrier made $200 a week. Yeah. What? this bird i'm telling I'm you i'm confused <laughs> i am too and i was hoping i'd get like a reason why he was in this movie because i like there must be like symbolism there really wasn't from what i've gathered yeah. it was just uncle billy's pet bird and apparently this raven was a big deal <laughs> i didn't notice actually that uncle billy had so many pet animals until i, right? I watched that later I watched it, like, last week, and I just thought it was so funny. Because there's one yeah. scene he's sitting in his house, and there's, like, squirrels crawling all over him. I'm like, what? Yeah, what's up with what? that? They put so much effort in that. They must have. They had to find all these animals. Yeah, so Jimmy the Raven, if you're ever wondering. Big now you know. Star. Now he you know. died at the age of 60, which is very old for a bird, so go him. Yeah, Jimmy. A new favorite <laughs> raven. <laughs> is there anything else we want to talk about? in It's a Wonderful Life before we move on to our outro stuff? I think we really covered everything we wanted to. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. One thing we did want to talk about in this episode was if you are a Marvel, uh, Star Wars, Pixar, nerd in general, uh, the last week should have been pretty exciting for you. It was an exciting week, wasn't it? There is a lot of stuff dropped. So what of all these new projects are you most excited about? So Marvel-wise, mm -hmm. I'm really interested in the Loki TV show, right? That's mm -hmm. coming out on yeah. Disney+. Plus. Also, the Wanda and Vision. Why does that look so good? I was expecting it to look horrible. Yeah, I didn't really know what they were going to do with that. And mm -hmm. then I watched their trailers, and their trailers are just really well done. So I'm very excited about that. And that comes out sometime in January, so that's pretty soon. So those are the ones I'm most excited for. Um, mm -hmm. What about you? Um, basically the same. I'm so far pretty optimistic about all the Marvel content. I was a little wary because mm -hmm. Marvel TV shows have not been great in the past, you know? Like, everything I've watched, <laughs> I haven't loved. Like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I've tried. I, I just can't do it, guys. I'm sorry. But, yeah, everything looks really good, well done. and like, It does. Never have liked Loki as a character. I've never got... I know, it's scandals, but I've never gotten the hype around him. I've always been like, he's a villain, guys. Why are we, like, standing Loki? But his show looks amazing. It does. And it looks, like, high-quality, like, movie-level kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Even though and it's not a show. And I am obsessed with the concept of time traveling. Like, that mm -hmm. is one of my, like, favorite tropes in media. Me too. So, like... To see him on, like, the plane in the Civil War scene and, like, stuff like that. Like, I am here for it. So I'm that, so excited. I'm probably most excited about Loki. And, like, two weeks ago, I probably would have told you Falcon and Winter Soldier, so. Oh, uh, I'm not really excited for the Falcon and Winter Soldier one. I don't know why. I was just watching the trailer and I, it just seemed, like, the most boring out of all of those. Mm. That makes sense. Not okay, even the most boring. Like, just, like, I'm not as invested in it. Sebastian Stan, though, Betty. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for saying that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I've I never don't, been. A you've big, never like, been as big into that franchise in general. Yeah, so that doesn't surprise me. I'm not big into Captain America and his crew, but whatever. <laughs> this is very complicated, and probably shouldn't even go into this right now, but. I want to hear your theories on the full multiverse crap that is going down in Marvel. There is so much. Okay, so you sent me that tweet last night. Yeah. And it said something about the next, it's basically going to be the next Avengers level movie. That is my theory, is our next Avengers level event movie is the next Doctor Strange movie, which yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. What was it titled again? Doctor Strange and the Multitude of Madness or something weird like that. The Multiverse of Madness or something? Yeah, yeah. And it's going to have like a ton of MCU people in it. I'm hypothesizing because it says it also relates to the next Spider-Man movie. And the next Spider-Man movie is slated to come out before then. I'm hypothesizing that that is one of the Spider-Man movies that one of the MCU movies will see in it appearance of spider-man but it's not confirmed because of spoilers and or Mm -hmm. the sony contract being confusing so i don't know also the next spider-man movie there's a lot going on with that i have not been keeping up in the news for that lately Mm -hmm. but i've i've watched the second spider-man movie this week because i just wanted to and i got really into it and i was like wait i cannot wait for the next Mm -hmm. spider-man movie and now i'm starting to think about it and it's not too far away no, it's not. Like, Far From Home has gotten some critiques. I mostly liked it. I thought it was a fun movie. But the ending really sets up well for a finale. It really does. And I I think most... <laughs> we have a whole episode on this. But I think yeah. most sequels to a film are always kind of, like, people are kind of, like, let down by them a little bit. Mm-hmm. But when yeah. I was re-watching it, this was, had, was only my second time watching it after yeah, seeing I think it in theaters. You- needed to see it again (laughs) i just really appreciated it i think it's really well done i think people are just like thrown off by the amount it's not like your typical marvel movie but i think Mm -hmm. that's what spider-man has always meant to be it's more of a like feel good funny like meant for more all ages kind of type movie Mm -hmm. it's a fun summer blockbuster exactly and i think they needed something a little less serious after endgame Mm -hmm. and now they can go back to making a more serious feeling spider-man movie as exactly. the third one so i don't I don't think people should be so upset about far from home but whatever a last thing i want to say because we've talked about marvel for like 10 minutes but oh well um sam remy is also directing dr strange and a mm-hmm. lot of people from sam remy spider-man are rumored to be in spider-man 3 so i think we're about to see some interesting stuff going down with marvel I think we are, and I think I'm. I'm really excited. Yeah. Because now that like the whole Avengers trilogy is over, it's kind of like what's next. I weirdly think that Black Widow being pushed back is kind of what Marvel needed because now I'm more ready to get back into the next mm-hmm. phase of what it will be. Exactly. But kind of on that note, next week we're going to be talking about not our next episode. We're going to be talking about our favorite media of the year. Our lists are going to be a lot different than we would have expected them to be a year ago, obviously, but it'll be interesting to look back, kind of talk about what we were excited by, what we were disappointed by, but we won't be back till after Christmas, so. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's fun. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. 
And thanks for listening to this episode of Watchable. This podcast is edited by Sophia. Our music is from purpleplanet.com and our graphic is by Maria Hernandez. If you enjoy listening, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Have an idea on what we should review next? Send us a message on Instagram or Twitter at Watchable Media. Join us next time when we discuss our favorite media of the year. Now go enjoy your day.